Welcome to Wild Women, hosted by Camille and Sarah. This is a podcast about mind, body, and pleasure, an honest talk on all things self-care. We discuss issues related to dating, fitness, beauty, mental health. We also discuss stuff about social issues, and we often have interviewees that come up and tell us a little bit about their businesses or their inspirations or motivations or just their journey through some type of recovery. For those of you who haven't listened to us before, this is our second season. Let's dive in. Welcome to Wild Women. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Persia and she is an author of Love is Coming and The Inner Fix. So yeah, let's get started with some questions. So the first one would be, what did you learn during your experience writing your book, Love is Coming? Oh my God, a lot, considering that I wrote it over five years. So I learned a lot about exactly what I was teaching in the book. Um, essentially about patience you know this was the reason I I so wanted this book and then I so wanted it come out it to come out in this year with everything that's gone on with the pandemic is it was the one piece of work out of everything I've ever done that I'm like if I died from COVID COVID or something else I would be like my spirit will be livid that I didn't write that book you know for me personally because of just the how I met my fiance Joe was so magical and I wanted people to know that that's possible I think in many ways you know I'm such a romantic at heart and I always have been and that got me into some scrapes in in many ways years ago but I think a lot of the the time nowadays people don't they they think the only way you can meet is on an app Mm. and you know there's it's almost become really unsexy and just like you know you've got to tick your way through the timeline And obviously this is something I talk about a lot in the book, the timeline and how you just have to like let it go of like should get married at this time, at this point in my life, should get the job at this point, move in, mortgage, babies. And it's so, it's so trapping to live like that and to kind of live your life dependent on this social conditioning. So what I learned, and by the way, as you probably know, I am very big at digressing. So I will probably just have to keep coming back to, oh yeah, what is the question? Answer the question. So what did I learn? I learned be patient because good things take time, including writing the book took me a long time and it took me a long time to attract my dream relationship. And I also learned that mistakes or or seeming mistakes or things not seeming to go the way you want them to is part of the journey towards getting whatever it is you want in life and I think so often you know if if we go through a a relationship and it breaks up and you know we go through that that pain we think there's something wrong and it shouldn't have happened this way there's so many things not only in my romantic life but in my career as well that didn't go the way that I wanted them to And over time with the gift of hindsight, I could see that actually it worked out so much better. And if that thing had happened at that time, it wouldn't have worked or I wouldn't have been happy in it. Mm. And and so I think think that's another really big thing. Like, you know, hindsight shows you that all those mistakes, I think Gabby Bernstein calls it, you know, detours in the right direction. And it just takes the pressure off because I'm someone it's, you know, I'm I'm a high achiever and I've, you know, I talk about this a lot in, in um, Love is Coming, this obsession with needing to be the best, needing to win, um, you know, that that's really a, a byproduct of growing up around addiction. And my way of dealing with it was essentially what I can now see is, was workaholism. And 
it, it living your life in that way it's just exhausting and so it takes the pressure off me of like needing to be perfect needing to get everything right you know um and just showing up and doing my best and like in keeping it in the day and enjoying the process and I yeah okay, I'll, I'll wrap it up on that the biggest thing I think I learned in the book for anything in life is know what you want get really clear about what it is you want but you have to surrender the how and the when that's going to come about and this is so true when it comes to relationships you know we fixate on who who it is when they're coming and we try and manipulate and maneuver and we want it to look a certain way and, and that might not be what we need you know this book the writing of this book was very different and, and how it went out in the world is very different from the ineffects. And I wrestled with that for a long time because I thought it needed to be a certain way, but actually it was perfect the way it happens. So it's investing in the process and surrendering the outcome and just trusting that things will align for you in the perfect way at the perfect time, even though it probably won't be the way you would have written it, but it will be better in my experience. I love that. And one thing that I remember because the first time I met you was at the Self Love Summit, I think in 2019. It might have been 2018. I can't remember. Maybe. I went twice. Okay. And I remember you talked a lot about surrender to the festival. Mm -hmm. That really stuck with me. So, what does that mean? It, is that the same concept? Yes, so I've actually, it's funny you say that. I've got these new, um, I've got some merchandise now. My um, best friend and maid of honor, she's like really, she's really nifty. And she's made these bracelets for my one-to-one -one clients, which is Surrender to the Festival. Oh, and it's such a nice that. little reminder. So, so, okay, in a nutshell, what that means is, I'm gonna really try and do the abridged version of this story because it is a long one, but I'd been to this festival called Wilderness in 2014 and whilst you know my life was much better in so many ways than it had been and I'd done a lot of personal self-development work at this time I still had a lot of to do around my love life and I used to do this thing that I call catting for cock where I'd like go out with friends but I'd be secretly sort of not even that secretly looking around for a guy to talk to and flirt with and get that attention and validation and that festival when I went in 2014 that's all that's the main thing I remember and just feeling like you know, like trying to control my whole experience there as well, like trying to, you know, obsessing around what meditation classes and yoga classes and what bands to see when and trying to meet up with people. And, and I, I actually felt really stressed by it, like really like anxious. And so the following year, I was writing the inner fix, we and and uh, we finished the first draft two days before we went to the festival. And, and I, I, and we were actually me and my business partner, Joey, we were actually speaking at the festival. And I was like, you know, I, I'm now speaking and teaching women's stuff at this festival. Like, I can't be there in the same energy I was last year. Like, that's not cool. And I'm writing a book on this stuff. So I came up with this mantra to help me with that obsessive need to, like, get a guy or, you know, like, control my experience at the festival. And it was this thing. It's surrender to the festival and let her take you wherever she wants to take you. So it's a, what that really means. It's about being present with the experience and allowing it to unfold organically. So instead of trying to obsessively meet up with friends, like if it happens, great, but don't be like, like I was the first year, like fixated on your phone and, and just trying to make things happen constantly. And from, from you know, that living that mantra, 
I literally ended up meeting the love of my life at that festival, which is what I'd wanted the year before. But it was the most insanely, insanely magical way. Like I could not believe the synchronicities, not even just about how we met on the first night, but the second night and like just the whole way our, our relationship has played out. And there's been so many challenges along the way, don't get me wrong but there's been so much magic. So Surrender to the Festival is, yes, it's about letting go of control. Like I said earlier, investing in the process of whatever it is you're, you're working on or you're doing in your life, letting go of the outcome. But really, when you, when you are doing that, you open yourself up for so much magic and for miracles. And you know, I've really experienced this in the last sort of couple of weeks in my own life at the moment, because I've had a really hard year in a lot of ways I've had an amazing year I've ticked off a lot of boxes like you know bought the house got the dog got the car like moved to the country like oh, there's lots of that and that's been great but I've wrestled with some personal things in my family and and you know moving out to the countryside has been hard and I feel like I'm just coming out the other side of a, of a really hard period and and I've really had to live that mantra again like you know surrender to the festival and and now I'm starting to experience the magic of it. So what I what I've seen in myself and in with clients is that often, you know, you know, there's that, that saying, and I think Florence Welch has a song that she says, it's like, it's always darkest before the dawn. So it's like you go through heartbreak, the first month is horrific. But if you show up and you, you know, you do the things that I teach in my books, and because I used to do breakups so badly and I learned a much healthier way to deal with them. But if you put in that, you, you show up and you do the hard thing it pays off, it really does pay off. And you open yourself up for so much magic, you really do. And, and that's essentially, not really in a nutshell, in a very long explanation of what surrendering to the festival is all about. And honestly, you have so many good advice that even to this day, I still take into my day-to-day -day life. What has been particularly helpful? I'm interested to know. Surrendering to the festival is definitely one of them because I do have a tendency to want to control everything and that definitely shows up in my relationship as well and another thing too is I remember a year ago I was in your Facebook group and they asked for advice and at that time I was casually seeing someone uh, but it wasn't, I knew I wanted something deeper. I knew I wanted a relationship. I wanted to find love. But I was seeing someone that was emotionally unavailable. And I knew it. And so I asked for advice. And I remember you told me, you need to stop holding yourself back from finding love. And the longer you'll stay in that like situationship, the longer you'll resist love. So I did the exercise that you give to do that ideal list of your partner and then try to become that. Mm -hmm. And a month later, I met my now boyfriend. Wow. It bloody works. It really works, doesn't it? And one of the quotes that you often say that really kept me going through that is stop looking outside of yourself for the partner you want to get and start looking inside of yourself for the partner you want to be. And even to this day, I still try to really show up with that. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, and that's, uh, that's the message of this book. Love is coming. And I learned that the hard way. But again, it takes the pressure off like... 
that fear of like I've got to, I've got to go out and find him and make it happen mm. it's like no, no no you don't have to do that that's like that is a when even just thinking that that's so stressful it's like no, no no you just need to be clear what do I want to attract how do I want to experience my life and then you just create that in your own life create that in yourself become the person that you want to be in a relationship with and how do you want the relationship to feel will make your life feel like that that's it and then it will happen and this is where the trust comes in that the magic is going to unfold for you because it's like well but what if I do that and it doesn't happen it's like well even if it doesn't happen I'm telling you you will feel a hell of a lot happier than trying it the other way that I did for years and years and years so I'm so uh thrilled to hear that it's worked for you yeah like that's what I want people to know that like if you do the work even if it doesn't end up the way you want it to is still gonna make you feel so much like you said so much better than if you did it the old ways exactly yeah. exactly uh, speaking of relationships COVID has changed the nature of relationships a lot and what I found is like it's either you know people were in relationships and those relationships either grew stronger or just crash and burn or there's like the people who weren't in relationships at all didn't really weren't really talking to anyone and all of a sudden they've spent a year and a half with literally no romantic connections at all so what type of advice would you give like a single person like to find their prospective partner especially during covid where like human interaction isn't too i guess high yeah so I guess there's the sort of, there's two, there's two perspectives with this. There's two approaches that I think both are important. The first I've already talked about, it's the inner work because I cannot tell you how many of my clients are now in relationships and the women who've done my programs more since COVID. So I know that that works. And so there's that, that, and you know, that's, that's essentially my message. It's really, it's like, the message of the inner fix, focus on the insides and the outsides will take care of themselves, regardless of when, whether there's a pandemic. You know, with, with so many of my clients and even my relationship with Joe, there were so many reasons why, like it could have not worked. Like I wouldn't have been stood in right in front of him amidst thousands, tens of thousands of people twice. But because I've done that inner work, it's like the universe just orchestrated it that way. And I've seen that, like I've seen so much magic. And so I think it's, well, it's, it's your belief system. So a lot of people are saying, oh, COVID has made romance and relationships and dating so much harder. I'm like, oh, actually it's the opposite. Not just from like me wishful thinking, from my experience, I have the testimonials to prove it. Like I have, and this is not just from my own life. This is from so many clients and when we've done my programs now. So it's a, about belief system. That's the inner work. The outer work is, yeah, let, we also have to acknowledge, of course, it's, it's massively affected it. I think it's a positive thing. And again, actually, I know it's a positive thing because of the results I've seen. So why I think that is, is that this pandemic has made us all get conscious about number one, our mortality and life and how precious life is. And actually, you know, realize oh you know what I'm not living the way I want to be living or this isn't working for me and I think that's positive and the other thing is when you start connecting on, on dates or like you know even from a first date what I've been seeing with my clients is that they literally are going in at such a deeper level from the outset because you start talking about the pandemic you're, you're talking about life and beliefs and you know what have you struggled with this year and all these things instead of like before the pandemic would be like oh what, what do you like doing you know I'm not saying that that's not relevant but 
you know, people, people are clear, like, actually, no, I, I want a really great, deep, intimate, healthy relationship, a long lasting relationship. Whereas before, I think, you know, we had so many opportunities to distract, to distract ourselves with everything. And a lot of people didn't have any idea what they wanted. So as I said, it's like with heartbreak and with so many things in life, when the shit hits the fan, even though it's fucking painful in the moment, it's so good because it makes us realize who we are, what we want, what work we need to do on ourselves in order to get what we want. So I think it's a really positive thing. And the advice I would say is, the most important advice I would say is you need to change your perspective. So if you've been going, oh, COVID's ruined my love life, like actually no, it's the biggest opportunity. It's you who is creating a narrative that is holding you back and therefore holding your love life back because we can only get anything in life that we believe we can have. And so our internal narrative around anything that we desire is so, so important. So if you're listening to this and you, you've been in that camp of COVID's really negatively affect my love life, be like, well, actually, okay, I've been challenged to start looking at it in a different way. So even just doing a simple exercise of make a list of all the reasons that COVID could actually have been the best thing to happen to your love life if you choose to see it that way. Just doing that is going to help you shift out of that sort of victim mentality that a lot of us understandably have been in over the last 18 months and realize no this is a positive thing you know I was supposed to be getting married in 2020 and then this year it didn't happen because of COVID and I you know obviously there are way worse things than not getting married but it was you know we put a lot of effort into it um, it was obviously very very disappointing and what ended up happening is we bought a house in the countryside, we bought a dog, I bought a car, I hadn't driven in a decade, and that was terrifying for me. I'd done so much stuff that it wasn't what I expected. I'm not where I expected to be, in a, but in a way I'm like, oh no, it's it's way better. So realize that, you know, again, it goes back to like a t a mistakes or things going wrong are actually detours in the right direction, as Gabby Bernstein says. And immediately that takes the pressure off and it starts you to get excited. And, you know, we create everything and manifest everything in our life from whatever energy we are in. So you've got to ask yourself, am I in a negative energy? Am I in a victim mentality? If so, you need to flip the script and start seeing why this could be the best thing that could have that has ever happened to your love life. That is a really good advice. Yeah, I think that's going to help a lot of people. And especially I like that you talked about the victim mentality because that applies to like all areas of your life it's not just relationships right and it was almost like time stood still and a lot of people had all these plans and all these goals and stuff but because of you know the restrictions the lockdowns they weren't able to like you know go out there and go do those things so it was very disheartening for a lot of people and it caused a lot of people to kind of fall into that victim mentality so um, I love that you touched on that because it's so, so important. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned with work and then wedding and all the plans changing and then with COVID, I'm sure you've been feeling really overwhelmed with that. Mm -hmm. And so what would be your advice to people facing those same kinds of challenges? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question because I can, I, this is a very recent experience for me. I, um, you know, I've been sharing this year about my own journey with work addiction. And honestly, it, it took me a long time to even realize I had a problem because I was like, I'm just really productive. <laughs> like, you know, it's something that's applauded in the world to be a go-getter. But I, my way now I can see of dealing with trauma as a child, my, my parents' drug addiction was two things. It was boys and it was work. 
and like being the best in whatever it was. And COVID, has, it's triggered us all in different ways. And I guess, you know, it's been a, tra a very traumatic thing for everyone. And my way of dealing with that was like what I would do when I was younger. And well, throughout my life, it's like work, 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 and tell myself, oh, you know, I'm doing really well. I'm handling this really well. And then, yeah, I went through some personal family things, which kind of threw a spanner in the works, made me have to really look at that even deeper. And then I went to Wilderness Festival at the beginning of August and uh, it was mine and my fiance's six year anniversary of meeting there. And it was his birthday, his 33rd. And, and I came back and I had COVID. <laughs> and I was like, and I could do nothing, like particularly for that sort of first 10 days, nothing. And it was the biggest surrender to the festival. And I got it because I'd just been at the festival. I was like, okay, I get it. And I didn't even care. I was like, what? Like, I've got a brilliant team who support me. And, you know, that's been a journey in itself, getting the right people. But but by this point, I had the right people in place. It was like the universe just just timed it perfectly. Like I couldn't have had a better time, like had it got, got COVID at a better time. And it's a wonder I didn't get it earlier, in all honesty, because, you know, I'm quite sociable and I have been um, definitely in the last year. So I yeah I, I just had to let go and stop pushing and a remarkable thing happened because when I started getting better I was like I have no intention of going back to firstly how much I was doing but also just my mental the pressure I put on myself and the stress and you know it's, it's an addiction to adrenaline um, this overactivity we, we create the overwhelm in our lives and I remember seeing Gabby Bernstein talk about this, you know, Gabby Bernstein's hugely successful and yes, she's got the money and the success to have a great team and blah, blah, blah. But it was a choice that she made of like, I, I can't keep going like this. I'm going to run myself into the ground. And so now like my whole experience with work is much, much different. Like I still, I'll be honest, I still have moments where I can feel that, you know, that feeling where you're like, <gasps> and it's like, you don't breathe and you're like, oh my God, go do this, go do that, blah, blah, blah. And it's like multitasking. And, you know, I was just in a coffee shop and I found myself doing it. And then I was like, stop Persia. How do you want your experience of work to feel? And I say to myself, relaxed, fun, exciting, free, spacious. And so, I could stop the craziness in the moment and take some breaths, order myself an almond milk iced latte and be like, right, I'm gonna do one thing at a time. And then I enjoy it. And it honestly, it's so simple and it sounds like the most obvious advice in the world, but it took me 35 years to learn that. Like, what is the point in, well, what's the point in doing anything in life if you're not gonna enjoy it? Like, I know there's some things that we have to do, but if you have to do it, you still have the choice of like, well, I might as well enjoy it then. Yeah. anything and I love that you mentioned that because I think um Sarah and me are both a little bit the same we really keep ourselves busy at all times and we love being productive but and I think a lot of people can resonate with that as well because in today's age like society expects us to be productive and burnout is almost like normalized like you mentioned so that's really good advice that you're giving us and I think um, we should all apply it a little bit more yeah 100% 100% and this question kind of like falls along the same lines it's like it's when you are at like that that burnout stage and it's really hard when you're in the middle of a burnout to be like 
to stop like you're addicted to it it's the adrenaline and like it makes you feel better to just keep going and you get that like anxiety when you stop what kind of like symptoms do you think can help people like realize or be, just be more self-aware of when they're like approaching a burnout or when they're doing too much like yeah. what really early signs of those okay i can just literally tell you mine heavily over scheduling and trying to fit too much in i always have to watch that and i'm even watching it i'm like oh my diary's looking really full you know you can say to yourself I heard, I don't know if it's Gabby Bernstein or someone say, you know, five things a day, but you know, you, you have to decide what, what does that mean? Does that mean like a meeting is one thing, like is emails one thing? I don't know. Like you have to decide what that means. Like I look at my diary and I first will put in everything for my, like I'll do plan the week ahead and I'll put in everything for like my mental and physical and spiritual wellness first. And then I will look at my work and I'll put my priority, you know, and, and also like to be on a social life stuff that goes in before work does. And then I will look at, okay, what work is here and what priorities? Cause I'm someone who, you know, I, I just try and do too much. It's like, no, no, no. What needs to be done this week? Doesn't need to be done by me. And, and then I will break that down. And I, I generally would like kind of have, you know, a morning task, then I'll have a workout in there. Um, and then, you know, fitting in, walking the dog around that and then maybe another task and then lunch, maybe a meeting, maybe a, a yeah, team meeting in the afternoon, maybe one more task and then dog walk and then, you know, dinner. And I, I try and just not because sometimes, you know, I, before I'd look and I'd be like, oh my God, I've got like 10 to 15 different things and it's hectic. And you look, you know, there's a problem if you look ahead at your day or your week and you're like, oh. <gasps> And I get that sometimes that happens, you know, like if I'm in a launch period for one of my programs or, you know, with the book, it, there was a lot and it was intense, but I've realized, you know, I, I don't want it to be like that anymore. And that's why I've got a great team. So, so that's it. Overscheduling, feeling like you're a hamster on a wheel, just like duh, 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 rushing around, like rushing is a huge one, not breathing, um, multitasking. I'm yeah, as I said, really, I'm one for that I think I think most women are because we can do it we do and then and then you just sort of like do you ever get you're like I don't even know what I'm doing like, I, like I'm you just get completely overwhelmed so that's another one not getting enough sleep like actually I find that insomnia can be a product because you're just your mind is worrying so much how you are with your friends family and partner mm. if you're snappy and like you know then you know there's something like it shouldn't be like that we should be like feeling free and relaxed to enjoy these people because the whole point of like working so hard and certainly in my head is like oh so I can spend more time like enjoying my life with my loved ones it's like well yeah but you could do that right now because you mm. don't know that you might get hit by a bus tomorrow so stop putting it off like it's future tripping it's like oh when I have that or when I get there or when another what big one when that thing is done then I'll be able to relax. Then I'll be able to enjoy my life. And, and that I've like, it's like, no, your life is happening today. There's always going to be something else to do. There's all the goalposts will always move. So if you're not enjoying the journey, what the fuck is the point? What's the point? Like, you know, keep it in the day, make the most of your day and, and every moment in it, like really consciously do that. 
because this is your life wherever you are at. And yes, we want to keep expanding and manifesting more and growing. But let me tell you, when you get that thing, you're going to probably feel the same as you do now, more or less, like, because you'll, because then, then you'll already be on to the next thing. So slow the fuck down. <laughs> this is literally like, I'm like coaching myself as I say these things, because I'm by no means an expert. I'm very much in my infancy. I'm in my first year of like, actually applying this stuff. I, I've known there's been a problem for like a few years, but COVID absolutely highlighted it. So even when I think tonight, you know, I can then go into, right, what have I got to do now? I've got to take my vitamins. I've got to drink my green thing. I've got to, I've done the dog walk. Okay, check. I've got to do dinner. Oh, I've got to do that. I've got to do, and I'm like, I don't want it like, yes, there's things to do, but I want it to feel joyful and flowing. Mm. I don't want it to just be like the addictiveness of like crossing something off a to-do list. It's like crazy. Sometimes, I bet you've done this. <laughs> I have my to-do list, which is like, I can't tell you, I have so many post-its like with all this shit on it. And sometimes I'll like write something down that I've already done just so I can cross it off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I do it too. Like mid-afternoon, I'm like, oh, I didn't write my to-do list, list today. Okay, well, like this is what I started with and then yeah. cross all the stuff off and then do the rest of the list. Yeah. And it, it gives you that, it gives you that boost. And, and so it's a hard one because that, you know, such a fine line because being productive, like it does, it does give you self-esteem, but, and I don't think this is talked about nearly enough where the, there is a line where it starts to go over into addiction, where you then feel, if I don't do that, then I'm not good enough, which that's been my thing. Like I'm only as good as, and, and the to-do list, like, especially if you own your own business, it's never ending there is always more that you can be doing. And mm. so you have to know, do you know what I'm done? For? I'm done for today. I'm good. And my worth is not to tie to my productivity. That's a hard one. Mm. I think a lot of us women have really been conditioned to believe that it is, and it's so damaging because it's, it's exactly the same as my worth is determined by whether or not I'm in a relationship. Yeah. It's like, no, worth is like, you are perfect as you are. Yes, we can evolve and we can work on ourselves, but it's not in order to be more lovable or more acceptable. It's just because, you know, we're on a journey to grow, but who you are in this moment is good enough. There may be like behaviors that need, it's, it's all about just releasing the shit. It's not about even necessarily becoming anyone else. It's becoming more of who you already are under the shit. And I, I write, there's a chapter in um, Love is Coming where I literally, I talk about that. And that's been a really helpful thing because I've, I've realized I spent so much of my life, firstly, trying to become this version of myself that I thought a man would want, but then also trying to become a version of myself. And, and to be honest, it was like getting into wellness and spirituality was mostly amazing, but also the negative side was like, it was like, oh, mission self-improvement, you know? And I, and I beat myself up with the things that I was doing that were supposed to be helping me. And I see that a lot in the industry. And I think it, yeah, that's why I talk about it so much because I don't see people talking about it nearly enough. Oh, I totally agree with you. At this time in society, self-improvement has just become another form of productivity, but productivity of always wanting to be better. Yes, I 100% agree. And it's almost why like, I've, ha I've had to step back from some elements of it because, or, you know, whether it's like unfollowing certain people or, in fact, I'm actually really tempted next year to be like, I'm not having any 
goal which I like that terrifies me but instead of being like well I'm going to do this because I don't need to worry about not achieving I who I am I will naturally do things so I might have some things very loose but actually my big goal is like I'll just enjoy the year just enjoy it it's going to be our wedding that that is for me I'm like that is hopefully a once in a lifetime experience and that has got to be my number one I want to enjoy it it because of that if, you know we're doing a big whole weekend festival it's the perfect way to make myself go crazy, you know? So I am gonna be like, right, surrender to the wedding festival. And I know I'll be talking about it a lot next year on social and stuff because to hold myself accountable in the way that I talk about the work addiction stuff, you know, the pressure, like this has to be the perfect wedding. This has to all go smoothly. It's like, no, the things that go wrong will be the things that everyone loves the most. It's always the way. Very true, very true. So I do want to go back to speaking about relationships because you did mention some really interesting words that I haven't heard before and love is coming. Um, and one of them was serial monogamist. What is that? Serial monogamist is someone who is constantly in relationships. So I wasn't a true one because I was constantly in relationships, but I was always, I was also cheating left, right and center. So it's people who just, it's like, just can't be out of a relationship, which, yeah. So I was, I was kind of half that at least. Um, but yeah, always needing to be in a relationship. We know those people, like we've all, we all know those people who just like, they're never without a boyfriend. They can't be on their own. So that's a serial monogamist. And how should people deal with that issue or how should they approach that? Because you mentioned in the NFX too, that sometimes being in a relationship or substance use is a distraction from doing the inner work. So how would you come about that? So it's really, this is where we need to use a mixture of your intuition and your logic. It, you need to learn to be on your own and learn to fall in love with yourself and be happy with yourself, you know? I, and this doesn't sound that long, but for me, it was very long, having always been in relationships, being before meeting Joe, I was single for a year and a half. I dated a few guys in that time, but not for very long. I had two separate periods of four months at a time where I wasn't getting so much as a text from a guy. And that was so good because even though it was hard in a way, but I was like, I have to, and I was living at home with my parents. It's like, honestly, I've been humbled so many times in the last decade, you know, external success. Oh, like it's not there. So you have to get your sense of self-worth from within yourself and so if you want to be able to be in a happy relationship one day I've never ever ever seen it where someone hasn't first spent a considerable period of time on their own I was as I said always the one like the longest I would ever do between relationships single was three months wasn't long enough if you've had a significant relationship I say you need to be single at least a year just to give you a, a benchmark obviously it depends on the context but if you can't be on your own and find a way to enjoy that experience then it's going to really affect your romantic life going forwards because it will show up in your relationship and you'll become needy and you'll need them to be a certain way or to do this and, do, and, and it just it just doesn't work whereas if you are coming from a place of like I'm good I'm whole I love myself I know who I am I know what I like I know what works for me I know what doesn't I know how to communicate to that uh, that to you if you can come from that place the relationship will just flow. It's not going to be perfect. There'll be challenges, but you will be able to navigate them. And this has absolutely been my experience with my uh, relationship with Joe. You mentioned cheating. So now with 
social media and all of that, infidelity has taken many forms. So there's two parts to this question. So what would you define as cheating in this time? And how would you advise people to deal with infidelity? Like some people believe that once someone is a cheater, is always a cheater and that you can't move from that. And other people think that you can't mend the relationship if you work on it. So what, what's your take on that? My take is, well, obviously I'm my own case study. I did change, but I had to do a lot of work because I wasn't just, there are people, look, I know people who've, they've cheated a couple of times and, and, and they felt awful. And it was, you know, they, they did, it wasn't part of their identity with someone like me and a lot of men I know, and also a few women, it was like so much deeper than that. And it was like, this is an addiction. I can't not cheat. Like, which sounds ridiculous. I know, but I was like, I'm addicted to this. Like I can't not cheat. Um, so those people are going to have to do a hell of a lot of work in terms of what constitutes cheating. I think it, I think it's an interesting, a really interesting one because there's gray areas, isn't there? Like, and I think everyone has to decide in a relationship and be really clear about what it is. So for example, I definitely have flirted with guys in a, in a very harmless way. If I'm out, like, you know, I went to Vegas with my girlfriends for a hen and we got approached by a lot of guys because we're bold, loud, confident girls from London. And we just, we always have got a lot of attention when we go out. And so it's almost like, well, it sounds arrogant, but we just expect it. And yeah, it was a bit of flirting, but, but straight away, I was very clear, listen, I'm engaged and I'm with the love of my life and nothing's going to happen here. And they, and, and in a way it made him want me more, but he was like, I really respect you. Um, and listen, Joe, for what he works in the film industry and he's, he's got all female bosses and he's quite flirty, but in a completely, in a harmless way, I just, I, I have never worried about Joe cheating on me, but he's, you know, he's confident, he's charismatic and, and I like that. So I don't think that that there's a problem there. However, if he started messaging a girl in a way, it's like, you know, in yourself, mm. whether it feels, oh, this is harmless, you know, banter or, you know, whatever, or when it's like, no, actually, I really fancy that person. And this doesn't, there's something, you know, there's something not right there. So, you know, it's an obvious thing to be like, oh, if you have sex with someone or if you kiss someone, but there are so many other things before you get to that point that I think, I don't say are worse, but that would be problematic for me. We all, we're human. You're gonna have the thought. Of course you have, I've had many thoughts and I'm sure Joe has since the six years we've been together. But very quickly, whereas before I would have had the thought and then I would have just done what I wanted. Now I'm, you know, I've done so much work on myself and I know what I have to lose. And I love Joe and I don't wanna hurt him. And I also know like, it, I'd be only hurting myself. You know, I'd be only hurting myself. So I think you have to, to get really clear around and the way you can almost do this is like what would it feel like for me not even what would what they're doing what would I know if I was in a relationship with someone and from patterns in my like what what is my line when I know that I start feeling guilty what I used to do was not tell people I had a boyfriend because if a guy was flirting with me I thought oh he'll stop talking to me and I like the attention for me that's that's not cool that's a problem and I've had it a few times since I've been with Joe. Like, I'll be completely honest. And I've had to really catch that. It's like, oh, that's not, that's an old thought of like, just having that moment of wanting that validation and attention for whatever reason. And now I'm healthy enough that I can then go, right, so now I know I need to tell him I've got a boyfriend. 
So do you see what I mean? It's like, that's not cheating, but that's something that you've got to look at and go ask yourself, what's that about? Mm. Because if, that, if you don't interrogate that, then eventually it will become cheating. Yeah. And I think it comes back to also like nowadays, like you mentioned, even on your podcast, you know, with everything being online and the dating apps, like it's easy to just swipe through people. And I think part of it is always looking at where the grass is greener. A hundred percent. And it's only going to get more so. And so that comes back to, listen, the grass is greenest where you water it, where you are stood right now. And, you know, when I think about what, what could I possibly want more than what I have right now? And I could, I could list some superficial things. I could go, oh yeah, a multi-billionaire, please. Boyfriend or fiance. And you know what? I've, I've dated really rich guys and it was a novelty for all of like a few weeks. And then I was like, oh, the novelty's worn off, which is like everything in life, isn't it? Whereas if you're focusing on how that makes, how the person makes you feel, how you feel about yourself with that person, I don't really imagine it getting much better than with Joe. And that's not to say we don't have areas we can work on, 100% we do. But if I'm going to have to work on it with anyone, I want it to be him. And so it's really getting back into the state of appreciation for, for what is working. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, now, when it comes to infidelity and relationships and like ending relationships, do you think that there's like a breaking point, like a, like a moment where like you realize the relationship is over, you just, you can't get through that infidelity? Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. In my experience, I think this is generally about like knowing it's the relationship isn't going to work. My experience in my own life and relationships and a lot of my clients, there does actually often be a moment and it might not be the moment that you find out that they've cheated on you because you can still have the mentality of maybe we can figure it out. It's often, my experience has been that like there, there comes a moment when you're not expecting it, where it's like you get a little inner thing like an inner bit of guidance and it's really calm and it says I had this with Tiger who was the main guy in the inner effects it's like it's time to walk away and you know it however I then still spent a couple of weeks clinging on with my fingernails even though I knew it was over and that's why it comes back to you know having a meditation practice do it doing the work so that you can get quiet and listen to that inner voice because I've seen so many people, particularly women, like even though deep down they know it's not right, they will still scramble and try to make it work. And it, and it will, it's just delaying the inevitable. When it comes to infidelity, I've seen people get through it, but they are, there's not many of them. And I think it depends, are both people in the relationship willing to do the work it takes? And again, you have to listen to your gut because you might be with a partner who goes, yeah, 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 yeah I am but something in your gut. And you might have to go and try that out like I did with Tiger. Like after he cheated on me, we got back together. Something in me wasn't done and I had to give it more space. And and I learned so much in that seconds, you know, however long it was. And yeah, comes back to listening to your gut and just trusting that it's working out for you in the bigger picture of your life, even if it feels like it isn't. 
<laughs> what would you say is important, like is most important in having like a healthy relationship? Oh, space. Actually, I wasn't expecting to say that, space. Because when you have a great relationship with yourself, you want to spend time just with yourself. You don't need the partner there constantly. So if each people, you know, I always talk about this quote uh, from Carl Hildebrand's book, The Prophet, says in marriage, you should be like the pillars of the temple. So you're not standing too far apart and you're not standing too close. You know, you're kind of like this and you've got your own space and you hold up the structure that is the relationship, but it's good to miss each other and it's good to have something to talk about at the end of the day you know couples who just do everything together like what is there it's and that's what helps keep some of the spice and the mystery alive so that's really important letting go of things is a huge one letting go because you can you know you can make a fight about everything if you want to um and I know that I I've certainly struggled with that and it's like really just like how important is it like you know yes say listen that pissed me off and then get over it. Do you know what I mean? Don't hold on. Don't do the passive aggressive thing. Well, he should just know how I feel. No, communicate. That's another one. Communicate. Say how you're feeling. Take responsibility for it. Put down boundaries, set boundaries and have consequences. And you've got to do the inner work to understand how to do that. Like if you haven't done it, you won't. If you haven't done all the deep work, you will not be able to set boundaries and certainly not be able to keep them. Yeah, it's, if, if, you, if you make your number one priority your relationship with you, then the relationship will just flow and take care of itself. I love that you mentioned boundaries because you also mentioned in your podcast, uh, self-love and boundaries and how sometimes it can be an excuse mm -hmm. um, not to do that inner work. So can you elaborate on that, on how self-love could be a bad thing in certain cases? Yeah, I think we can let ourselves off the hook and you know, we slip up or whatever and we just go, oh, but I love myself. And it's like, yeah, great, love yourself. But you also have to, it doesn't, loving yourself is, does not entitle you to be an asshole. You know, you have to grow the fuck up sometimes. This is like, honestly, I had, this is what I had to. And, and I still do sometimes, like I can still be a childish twat. You can't just sort of like, for let me give you a tangible example. I couldn't just cheat on Joe and then go, oh, but I love myself and I forgive myself. And, you know, that's from childhood wounding. And it's like, well, I know better now. Mm. And it doesn't mean that I need to go into a shame spiral. It doesn't even mean it's not rectifiable, but it's, you know, there has to be a level of self-respect, discipline, boundaries, and, and you stick to them because that's what, you know, a grown up, mature, self-respecting person does. If you do make a mistake, which you're going to, Hopefully it won't be as extreme if you take the discipline seriously and do what you need to do. But, you know, if you make a mistake, it's about taking responsibility for it because it's really easy. And I'm, I used to always do this and I can still be guilty of it sometimes, but, you know, then go into victim mode of like, well, I did it because this isn't, you know, and it's like, just, you know, you need to, to, to own it and just be like, I fucked up. And it's not okay and I'm really sorry and this is how I'm going to make amends this is what I'm gonna I'm like this is what I'm gonna do you can't just say sorry you actually have to show up in your life or your relationship differently hmm. talking about that and even maybe self-sabotage um how can we like in general but also in relationship how can we maintain a relationship when we do have like self-sabotage tendencies 
what I've done, realize that you're a work in progress and you will be to the day you die. And, you know, the first few years of a relationship, like relationships go through various phases, but particularly like the first year can actually be very challenging because you're, you're finding your feet and, you know, it, you're gonna, there's gonna be sabotaging stuff that comes up, but you don't have to buy into it and you don't have to go into the drama of it. And again, that's what I used to always do. It's like, you know, I, as I said, I, there's been opportunities where I could have completely fucked up my relationship with Joe. And I definitely, in particularly one situation, because me and Joe were going through a hard time. It's like, I was like, it's like, say there's a stove and you know, it's hot and you know, you shouldn't touch it, but you know, and you're like, uh, 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 oh, uh, uh. and, and I had to fucking own it. And, you know, I was, I was healthy enough that I didn't go there and I could come back from it. But I came back from that experience and I said, Joe, listen, this is what's happened. Well, nothing's really happened, but energetically it could, you know, it, it just, I knew something, it was not good. And he was obviously really hurt. And I said, listen, I'm uh, please understand. I'm not blaming you, but I understand how this has happened. Like he'd been going through a lot of shit with work and he'd really close, this is very early on in our relationship. He'd really closed off from me um, because obviously when men go through a hard time, they, they're not taught to share it in the way that us women are. And he was really struggling. And it was in a way, it was a blessing in disguise because it was the wake up call for both of us. So it's just realizing like, as long as you're doing the work and investing in yourself, then yes, sabotage is going to show up, but it doesn't have to be astronomical. Talking about the energetics of self-sabotage, like what would you say are the first signs that you are self-sabotaging? You're looking for an escape route. Mm. looking outside you're like that was it it's like oh I'm not feeling good it, and so you're just looking to something you're looking for a quick fix that's usually it so anxiety feeling anxious trying to control feeling like quite controlling that signs that you need to just like slow the fuck down and come back to the moment and how you're feeling and why are you feeling that what's triggering you how do you want to feel that really helps me mm. Why do people attract emotionally unavailable partners? And what would, what is the most common mistake that you see in dating? Okay, uh, I'm going to answer them separately. Why people attract emotionally unavailable people is because they are emotionally unavailable and they don't realize it. Mm. And they are that way because usually in, like nine times out of 10, something happened in childhood, if not childhood teenagers, that was traumatic. They learn that it's not safe to love that, you know, and so they're going to be drawn to people where they never have to truly go there and experience intimacy and vulnerability because that's so terrifying. And we, you know, water seats its own level. So we attract people who are an energetic fit. So that can look on the outside like this person's a love addict, that person's a love avoidant. But underneath uh, love addiction is really love avoidance because if you respect and love yourself, you're not going to chase someone. You're just not. So really you're doing that to distract yourself. And, and often those women, and I've been them, it's like when the guy is available, you're like, oh no, I don't fancy him. Oh, he's just a friend. Because actually you're terrified of real connection, real intimacy. So that's it. It's understanding that we are always a match. Whatever we're attracting in our life, we're a match for it. And that's okay because you can shift that. The other question, the mistakes I see in dating, I mean, it kind of comes back to this is like, just keep on making the same mistakes and thinking that you by yourself can 
break the patterns and get out of it. Like I, I am where I am because I've had a lot of coaching. I've done a lot of work, but I've, there's an expression in AA that's like, my best thinking got me here. It's like, what got you here is not going to get you to where you want to be. You need to work with people, you know, reading books and all of that is wonderful. But in honesty, in my experience, it does not compare to doing a program and investing money in yourself because then you will show up differently because you take it more seriously. Like the biggest shifts that have happened for me have been when, in honesty, when I've like invested in something and I've been like, ah, I better, I better bloody do the work now. Because how many times have you got a book and you just don't, you might read it and you might learn a lot and be like, wow, but you don't actually follow through with anything it says. So that's that's a really big one for me, you know, people just thinking that they can, that it's just going to miraculously change. And one day someone's just going to show up on a, like a white horse and rescue them. That was what I hoped. And it's like, no, no one is, no one's coming to save you. You've got to save yourself and you can't do that on your own. You need support. Mm. Um, and then you will be, I mean, I've got a program called Get Your Soulmate. It's my flagship program. It's only eight weeks long. But my God, the transformations you see in eight weeks, unbelievable, unbelievable. And, and that's it because, because those women have taken a risk and, and have got out their comfort zone and doing something different and actually doing the work. That's when you'll see the results. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Persia. This was amazing. How can people find you? Do you have a website, Instagram? Sure. So my website is persialawson.com. So all of information about my books is on there. My books, um, my newest book, Love is Coming, loveiscomingbook.com, but you can also access it from persialawson.com and you get free trainings, you know, on that website, a free audio training called The Fastest Way to Meet Your Soulmate. And that's great. It's free and it's really actionable. So I highly recommend um, going to the website and, and getting that. And uh, yeah, I'm very active on Instagram. Do lots of sort of IGTVs and lots of posts and all of that sort of thing. Um, and that's just at Persia Lawson. Awesome. Yeah, I love your IGTVs. They're so funny and they actually teach you a lot. Oh, Oh, and also you have your own podcast too. Oh yes, I do. I have a podcast also called Love is Coming. It's primarily for single women, but I have tons of women in relationships who, who get so much value from it. And yeah, that's doing so well. We've got, I do solo episodes, I do guest episodes and um, yeah, there's real diehard fans with the podcast and the book as well. So yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. It was amazing. Thank you again. And yeah, everyone have a good day. Bye, love.